Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my money-saving comrades. My name's Graham Clark, and I'm excited to be with you again this week on the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast. This is a podcast made by the Money Steppers Savings Community for the Money Stepper Savings Community. It's designed to help us all achieve the goals that we've set for the 2015 Savings Challenge and make that journey to financial freedom much more friendly and enjoyable. Are you ready? Let's get going. Hey peeps, man I'm excited this week. We've got an episode coming up which is uh, exactly the reason why I started doing the Money Stepper Savings Challenge and the related podcast. January results are in, we've summarised the January results, we've analysed the January results and today we're going to delve into those results, trying to work out what we've learned from them. Let's have a look at what we've got coming up today. First of all, as ever, we have a look at a quote that's related to uh, the subject of today's podcast. Then we're going to have a look at the January results, the main bulk of the episode. We'll have a look at the summary. What can we see overall from the statistics? Why was that? Um, is there any underlying themes to our results? Then we're going to delve into some personal results. I'm going to start with myself. A few minutes of self-indulgence. And the reason there is that I created the Money Stepper Savings Challenge podcast for exactly this reason, to hold myself accountable. So this is another avenue where I can do so, and hopefully you can learn one or two things from from my results in January. Then I'm going to have a look through other people, their results, and any any highlights from that. But more importantly, what I learned from those, and hopefully what you can learn as well. Remember, the whole idea of the Money Stepper Savings Challenge is to learn from each other. We could all just record our results alone. We could analyse our own results and we could we could measure ourselves. But the idea of building this community is to learn from one another. So let's have a look at what we can learn from each other's results in January. Then I'm going to issue you a challenge for February. A challenge within a challenge. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. And then we've got the good advice of the week and the bad advice of the week. Both of these come from articles this week based on the lottery. Okay, so let's get cracking. Okay, our first quote of the week isn't going to be a quote that's new to you. It's going to be something you've heard many times. But it is a quote that's very, very relevant to everyone in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. 
And actually, I've got a supplementary quote afterwards, which is a rip-off of it, let's say. <laughs> Nothing more. But I think is equally important. So the quote is, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Everyone knows this quote, and I think it's a, a great motto to live by. Often things don't work out exactly as you'd hoped the first time, but it doesn't always mean you should give up. Try again. And that's relevant for people already who are slightly behind in the challenge, for one reason or another, and we'll come on to that, to keep going, keep pushing. You don't succeed on the first attempt, especially when you look at the short-termism of, of one month's results. So keep trying, keep pushing on. The corollary to this quote is something I would add myself. That's a money-stepper quote, first money-stepper quote. Um, and that is, if at first you do succeed then next time, exceed. Okay, just because we've succeeded and we're ahead of our goals after one month doesn't mean we should give up. doesn't mean that we should rest on our laurels. We shouldn't. We should push harder. We should try to exceed our result, try to surpass our expectations in the future. So there you go. If at first you do succeed, then next time, exceed. Rightio, let's move on to the summary of our results. So the results are in. We've got 43 people currently in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge, and 35 of them submitted their results for January. So let's start with the negative. That means eight people didn't. Unfortunately, eight people didn't get round to submitting their goals in the first uh, 10 or 11 days of February for January month end. Now, I really hope, and some other people in the comments have said as well, that it isn't because these people have got bored or they're not interested in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge anymore. I, I hope it's more so that they just struggled to find the time or it may have just slipped their mind or, or something else innocent like that. Actually, one person has since submitted their goals this morning, just before recording this podcast. And also, two of the people who didn't submit only submitted their annual goals in very late in January or actually early in February so I'm not expecting results from them so that's okay but that leaves five people who I have reached out to by email who hopefully um, are still interested in in the challenge I'll update their results when they submit them if they do but no more time spent on that that means that 35 people submitted their results and I've split them into four categories people who were exceeding their goals after the first month People who were exceeding their net worth goal, but behind in their savings rate goal. People who were behind in their net worth goal, but exceeding their savings rate goal. And finally, people who were trailing against both of their goals. And of the 35 people, it's broken down as follows. 14 people exceeded both of their goals in January. Pretty good going. Another 10 people exceeded their net worth goal whilst being behind in their savings rate. And another two were behind in their net worth goal while exceeding in their savings rate. So that means that in total, 26 people were ahead in at least one goal. 26 out of 35, almost three quarters of the people in the challenge. Pretty awesome. Go back to the quote for that then. If at first you do succeed, next time exceed. These people I want you to really push on. Let's start with the other nine people and have a look at them in detail. So nine people, unfortunately, were below their goals, um, their net worth goal and their savings rate goal for January. Let's have a quick look why that was. So the first thing we need to consider is, well, short-termism. 
in any one month, uh, people are going to fall behind their pro rata expectation for their goal and behind their savings rate. It's normal. Things crop up in one month. You might have uh, some expensive plane tickets to buy. We saw that a couple of times. People are paying professional fees, which cover the whole year, but are paid in one month. Um, and a lot of other things like that. So there's the issue of things that will crop up in one individual month that may not in every month throughout the year. And equally, you have uh, the same for the income side. A lot of people have variable income, myself included. And so some people's income will be much higher in certain months than other months. So that'll have an impact on the short term results. Another factor which impacted a lot of people were that the US markets were down. The S&P 500 fell in January by around uh, between three and a half to four percent. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was it was substantially down. And obviously, a lot of people in their retirement funds and just in other investment funds have got a lot of money invested in US equities. So that's fairly normal that people would suffer a net worth uh, blow because of that. And finally, we've got an issue with pro rata. And it's something I'll mention now in, in a little bit of detail because it will be relevant for the whole year. And that is the idea that we're splitting our net worth by 12 So if I have a net worth goal to increase in the year by 12%, it means that I'm expecting myself to increase by 1% every month. Let's put that into real numbers to get an idea. If I had a net worth of £10,000 and I was looking to increase that by 12%, then I would need a net worth at the end of the year of £11,200 and my net worth would increase by £100 each month. However, Increasing your net worth from 10,000 to 10,100 is actually a bigger percentage jump than increasing it from 11,100 to 11,200 in the final month. So actually from a percentage wise, because of the impact of compounding, it's actually harder to achieve our goals towards the start of the year than it is towards the end of the year. Now this will be an even bigger factor for people with bigger numbers or in fact for people with larger percentage goals. So just keep that in mind. It, it, it kind of explains why for certain people they're slightly behind where they would should be according to their pro rata results, but that's nothing to worry about in the short term. Okay, now moving on to the 26 people who exceeded more than one goal. Let's have a look why that might be. Well, although US markets were down, UK markets, the FTSE 100, was actually up by around 3.5% in January. So people who have a lot of money in the UK markets, or actually in the European markets also, um, myself included, profited from that in their net worth. Equally, a lot of people measure their house prices each month. It's up to you whether you do that, whether you include your own home in your net worth. I personally do. My personal view is that I only actually change that value of my house when I have an official statement to say I can do so, so a surveyor uh, or a valuation of some kind on the property. Other people use Zillow and that's fine, but all I want to make sure people do is that firstly, if they're going to include changes in their house value in their net worth, then make sure that is also built into your net worth goal for the year. To do that, you might use historical house prices in your area or your your actual property to say in the past it's increased by 8% every year so I'm going to take that as my expectation and build that into my net worth goal or maybe you could use inflation or you can use another another measure 
that you wish. But by putting nothing in there and then measuring each month an increase in the value of your house will obviously give you a discrepancy between your goal and your results. The other thing that I want you to consider is that however you add your property values into your net worth for any one month, make sure you do that for every month. So if this month Zillow said your property went up by 1%, build it in. But if next month it says it's gone down by 2%, you've got to make sure that you put that into your net worth calculation as well. You have to stay consistent with these things. Why else did people do well? Well, just hard work, I think. (laughs) Concentration on their finances, budgeting, all that kind of stuff. Just good financial management. Um, A lot of people hit their savings rates, really impressive savings rates, which we'll come on to in the next section. But just uh, just hard work, and well done everyone for doing that. One thing I will mention, and I will mention it for individuals later, we will be re-evaluating people's goals throughout the year. So if you're way ahead of your goal, or even if you're way behind your goal because of some uh, some reason or other, then I don't want us to keep the same goals throughout the year. I want us to re-evaluate them and hopefully re-evaluate them upwards. My aim for the Money Stepper Savings Challenge is that everyone finishes with a goal which is higher than the goal they started with in the year that way we know people are pushing themselves and we know people are achieving more than they could have hoped for which would be a brilliant place to be the way we'll do that practically is that at the end of each quarter um, so the end of March at the end of June and the end of September we'll take a look at our goals and we'll take a look at our progress and we'll have a think everyone individually will have a think about how they might need to evaluate and re-evaluate their original goals um, and then we'll, we'll set new goals. We will still keep a record of the old goals we set so we can see how far we've progressed but it's good to re-evaluate as we go along. So in summary, for the summary, <laughs> well done. Cracking set of results in my opinion. 75% of people who submitted are exceeding in at least one goal. That's pretty awesome. Of the 35, 14 people are exceeding in both their goals. Again, that's ace. Well done, you. Okay, so now let's move on to the personal results, people's individual results. Time to get personal. And I'll start with myself. So, as I said, there will be a couple of minutes where I speak about my own results here, but I hope that is going to help you, give you a bit of insight into how I'm doing and some of the uh, issues either from an actual savings or from my net worth perspective, but equally uh, any accounting issues I might have as well. So, my pro rata net worth goal for January was 2.1% increase in my net worth. I actually achieved 2.4% increase. Why was that? Well, as I said earlier, uh, mainly due to uh, UK and European markets outperforming their averages, which I was pleased with. But obviously, you have to think that short term, uh, that will return to the norm, return to the mean after a while. So generally, it was it was good. I was happy with my net worth. Savings rate is a bit of a different story. Headline figure is that my savings rate for the month was minus 97%. Oh, the shame. Out of the 35 people submitting the results, I was the only person to record a negative savings rate. (laughs) Um, Lead by example, Graham. Well done. Let me explain. My savings rate goal is 30%, and that is for the year. Okay. My income, my expenses are going to be very variable through the year. I left full-time employment last year, and I now run... Uh, my own business, a series of business ventures. And because of that, my 
income and my expenses will be variable. I expect that. Let's have a look at my actual figures. My income for the month was £663. Now, actually, the revenue of my business was much, much higher than that. However, I only record in my personal results my personal finances, not the finances of my business. They're two separate entities. Money Stepper Limited is set up as a limited company and therefore it has its own finances. And when I pay myself a salary or a dividend from that business, it becomes my own personal money. So the business paid me £663 in the month and therefore that is my income. My expenses were £1,304. I'll take the difference between those and you'll see that my savings, my income less my expenses for this one month, was minus £640. I spent more than I earned in this month. Minus 640 divided by 663, my income, gives me minus 97%. <laughs> right, income. Why was it so low? Well, I've already explained that. Um, I set up my finances in such a way that it's efficient from every perspective for the business, from a tax perspective. And this means that each month I pay myself a salary of around 663 and after that I pay myself a dividend in certain months throughout the year. I'm not alone in that. I know Pete Matthew, for instance, participant in the challenge. He uh, runs his own business as well and he does the same thing. His business paid him a dividend in January so actually therefore his income in January is much higher than it would be usually and the inverse happened his net worth and his savings rate was higher than it, than, than it would be usually um, so there's nothing really to worry about there it's okay my my overall concern would be about the revenue of the business and whether it could support paying me that salary and, and uh, an annual dividend and it certainly does at the minute so that is fine expenses well actually my £1,304 was slightly above what it usually is my average expenses uh, over the past couple of years have been around £1,000, maybe slightly less each month. Uh, so this is, you know, a good 30% higher. Well, why is that? Well, I'm getting married in May and we booked a honeymoon and we booked a couple of other things for the wedding in January and therefore uh, the expenses have shot up because of that. Also, uh, I went on a ski weekend while I'm over here in France, so I'm currently working doing some consultancy work down in Montpellier but I met up with some friends from Marseille and we went up into the southern Alps uh, for a quick skiing weekend and as anyone who's been skiing knows it doesn't come cheap um, so I've a few hundred pounds on that trip as well but you know that's my holiday it's my winter holiday so it's already budgeted in I stuck to budget while I was on the on the trip so I'm very happy with how that went so personally from my own perspective it looks like I'm a long way behind in my savings rate but actually that's just a fluctuation in how my income and expenses work and my net worth which will fluctuate less hopefully is uh, on course well, that's very nice let's have a look at you guys enough about me let's have a look at what you achieved I'm not going to go down everyone's individual results you can head on over to moneystepper.com and find January results in the Money Stepper Savings Challenge section of the website and there you'll have each individual's results how they're doing against pro rata how their results mean they're X percentage ahead or behind where they think they should be and I've also added a little comment against everyone's based on the comments that you put when you submit your results so thanks for doing that and carry on doing that please 
And so there's a lot of detail there if you go over and have a look and you can you can see how you're doing in your group, how you're doing it to all other people, and hopefully you can, you can find some information there. What I'm going to discuss today on the podcast is what I've actually learned from other people. So I'm going to have a look through some individuals and I'm going to place one individual word against them, which represents what I learned, and then speak about why that is. Okay. First person, I'm going to do it. Uh, by group alphabetically so group A and Chonce or Chonce you have to correct me there how to pronounce your name apologies for that she was unfortunately slightly behind her goal 72% behind her net worth goal and 28% behind her savings rate goal helpfully she also added an explanation she had unexpected car repairs in the month I'm sure that's something that everyone suffers from time to time and again, is the short-termism of the results. We'll see that in certain months. The word that sums up that what I've learned here is emergency. It's the importance of having an emergency fund and having these things built into your budget so that when something does happen that's not usual, it's fairly unexpected, you have the means to pay for that. Now, we discuss emergency funds a lot on moneystepper.com. If you go to the financial planning section, or equally if you just look at the show notes for this episode, which are moneystepper.com forward slash January results, all one word, you'll find some articles where I explain how mathematically you should be structuring your emergency fund. Um, So that's to say that, you know, if you keep £50,000 set aside for emergencies all the time in cash earning 0%, that's not necessarily the most beneficial way to structure your money to help it grow in the long term. So it splits it down into different categories. People who are have a strongly positive net worth and a good credit rating, a strongly positive net worth and a bad credit rating, and then equally people who are in debt with a good credit rating and people in debt with a bad credit rating. And it looks at how you should structure your emergency fund uh, for your own situation. And it's slightly against the advice that people generally give on this, but I'll let you read those to understand why. But equally, it does stress the importance of having an emergency fund having some money or at least some access to credit or money put aside so that you can pay for these things when they occur. And Chancey has highlighted this perfectly in that these unexpected car repairs happened. She was behind her her expected savings rate and net worth goals, but it didn't really impact her from a financial perspective. She's not in a crisis. Everything's still going fine. So Group A, Chancey, emergency. Group B, C, simply named C, again slightly behind her goals, 13% behind her net worth and 6% behind her savings rate. The word I associate with C here, attitude, and a positive attitude at that. She said in her comments, slightly behind for a reason A, B and C, but, and I quote, really looking forward to kicking it in Feb. That's what we want to hear. A great attitude. Sometimes you'll fall behind, but as we said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And each time, try harder. Group B, Vanessa. Another example, slightly behind her goals. 53% behind her net worth goal, 28% behind her savings rate goal. Word for Vanessa, self-improvement. Why? Because 
Vanessa is behind the network goals because she paid tuition fees for a course she's taking. Now, we can have a huge debate on the value of education to our long-term wealth. Um, I've wrote an absolute monster of an article on it, again, over at Money Step. If you have a search for uh, is university worth it in 2015... It's an article that we recently posted. We have a look at, you know, the the sheer cost of going to university these days and whether you'll get that paid back in your lifetime. Um, it's questionable whether you will, but one thing we I do promote is the investment in your long-term future on specific education. And so when you take these decisions to pay tuition fees for certain courses or certain uh, levels of education. It's important to understand what you're going to learn, how is that going to impact your career and your future earning potential, and then perform kind of an MPV analysis to work out whether that's going to be beneficial for you in the long term. And often, self-improvement education is. Whereas maybe taking a, a degree in general medieval history, if I don't want to be a historian or a tutorer, might not be the best idea financially. However, if I'm looking to make applications for on iOS and I'm looking to build a business around that, taking an online course or an individual course or, or buying some books related to how to develop and how to code applications might be a good investment in the long term. So, self-improvement. Skipping on to group freedom, not group F, group freedom. And um, Vort, Chad Vorto, was on the podcast a couple of weeks back. Um, I've struggled to put this into one word, but we'll go for interest-free. And Chad is slightly behind his goals, but he's saying he's expecting a tax rebate soon. My question here, something I've learned in the past, is how should that be accounted for? Now, firstly, I think that if you're expecting that tax rebate, it's actually an asset. And so it should already be built into your net worth. So it wouldn't actually have an impact when it does arrive on the doorstep. It's not income, so it wouldn't go into your savings rate. Uh, It would just simply be once it arrives, uh, you would credit your asset for the debt you're owed to by the government and you would debit your cash. And that's exactly what it is. It's a debt owed to you by the government. You've paid too much tax if you're getting a tax rebate. And if you're getting a tax rebate, that means that you've lent money to the government. What are you earning on that money? Nothing. In fact, it's costing you money. That money's with the government for the best part of a year. And inflation is actually eroding that money away. They don't pay you back the money with interest. They don't pay you back the money with inflation included. So it's actually costing you money. I was going to suggest that you shouldn't lend money to the government for free, but actually it's worse than that. You shouldn't pay the government to give them money uh, in the short term that they're going to repay back to you. So try to get your tax affairs straight. Try and make sure that you pay an appropriate amount of tax every year. Don't overpay your tax and then celebrate when you get a tax refund. The other thing to be clear about is what to do with that tax refund when it arrives. Every year, I see a flurry of Facebook posts saying, Woohoo, I've received my tax refund. I'm going to spend that on a nice new bag or something else which isn't in the budget. And it just gets blown because the people see the tax rebate as free money. It's not. It's money that you've paid and it's your money. It's just sitting with the government and then you get it back. So I don't think Chad's going to make any mistakes about that. He's talking about putting all that towards savings. Um... But it's just something to keep in mind that when you receive your tax rebate, if you receive one, 
and hopefully you won't be because you paid the right amount of tax, when you receive it, it was already your money. It's not new money. Make sure you treat it as such. The other person I learned from in Group Freedom is Mr Captain Cash. And I'm going to have to have two words here, and it's lifestyle inflation. Mr Captain Cash in January posted a savings rate of 92%. That's phenomenal. Well done, Robbie. That is superb. He's actually 215% ahead of his net worth goal and 15% ahead of his savings rate. Tremendous, just superb. And the word that comes to mind here is lifestyle inflation because clearly to be having that savings rate, Mr Captain Cash has got a very nice income. Um, If we assume that he's only spending $800 a month, which is a very, very low amount to be spending in the month for expenses. To get a 92% savings rate, it means that his net income must have been $10,000 a month. That's a very high income. And that's great. Congratulations. But one thing that's even better that you notice there is lifestyle inflation. Usually people succumb to this. People, when their income increases, all their expenses increase with it. They buy a new BMW, they buy a nice big house, they start spending more on holidays. And if, in fact, their savings don't increase that much because all of their money that they earn extra goes straight to their expenses and their savings actually stays the same. Clearly, Robbie has overcome lifestyle inflation here and he is saving a huge proportion of his net income. Uh, And if he carries on like that, he's going to be financially free very, very soon which makes it extremely apt that he is in a group freedom. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Group H, we've got Richard. Richard's impressed me here. He's 1,149% ahead of his net worth goal and 40% ahead of his savings rate. What word do I apply to Richard? Review. You can head back to session two of the podcast when we talk about goals. And you can also think about what we spoke about about 10 minutes ago. And I'm talking about the reviewing process and the evaluation process of our goals. If an individual is so far ahead of their goals and they don't change their goal for the year, then they can become extremely lax against those goals. I've seen it happen to people in the past. So it's important that we re-evaluate our goals and we change them throughout the year. I discussed that earlier in detail, but specifically here for Richard being so far ahead, if he carries on like this at the end of Q1, the end of month three, he'll be a long way ahead of his goals and I think we'll probably need to review and reset some goals there. Another person in Group H, L Martinez, she's 20% ahead of her net worth goal, 47% behind her savings rate goal. L. Mummy Martinez. Congratulations, L. She became a mother for the second time. She gave birth to a second daughter in January. And the word I'm going to apply here, as well as congratulations, is commitment. As five people didn't manage to submit their goals, L. managed to submit her goals and she managed <laughs> to give birth. <laughs> Equally, she managed to chalk up a positive net worth. Uh, in that month, so obviously you have a lot of expenses that come with a with the arrival of a new baby, uh, and equally income falls because of being on maternity leave, etc., etc. And I'll still manage to part post a net worth that was ahead of her goal. Incredible stuff. Well done, L. I'm so so impressed. Congratulations to you and your family. I hope everything's going well. 
Group I. Thomas. 109% ahead of his net worth goal. 67% ahead of his savings rate goal. The word? Hustle. Thomas is a hustler. In his comments, he explained why he's so far ahead, and it's because he earned a lot of side income, much more than usual, much more expected in January, uh, through making some money through online articles, the creation and submission of online content. I'm going to get Thomas on the podcast to explain this in detail later on, but as a summary, he, he works hard, he, he as well as his normal income, he earns some additional some money on the side, which really helps. And we'll come on to that more when we talk about our February challenge in a couple of minutes. But before we do, Group K, Connie, 66% behind her net worth goal and 88% behind her savings rate. The word here, positive. Connie, stay positive. A tough month. This happens for people. Connie lost a few freelance clients. She has variable income and her income greatly reduced in this month. But she's going to fight back in February and for the rest of the year. And one thing, she should stay positive, but she should also be positive about her results. In such a tough month, she actually, whilst being a long way behind her goals, still posted a 1% rise in her net wealth and a savings rate of 5%. For both of those things to be above zero when you have a shocker of a month is commendable. It's really, really quite impressive. Well done, Connie. And finally, Greg. Greg in Group M. The word for Greg is accounting. Okay, He had a 0% net worth change. It was in line with his expectation. He was 131% behind his savings rate. So I asked Greg why this was. It's a long way behind your savings rate. And he said, well... It was because he had given a loan to a family member which he expected repayment for in full in April. And what he did was he removed that money that he'd loaned from his net wealth and he'd kind of added it as an expense or a negative saving in the month. And this highlights the importance of accounting. We've said this in the article on the website and a lot of people have added in the comments. This is a loan. All that happens here from an accounting perspective is that we credit our cash and we debit a short-term debt. We expect this repayment in full, and so there's no reason to reduce our net worth. We just have this money in a slightly different place. So actually our net assets, our assets don't change, our net worth doesn't change. Equally, our savings rate shouldn't be affected by this. What's the problem with misaccounting? It's fine, you can just say, oh well, it's fine, we'll get it back in April. Well, the problem might be that If Greg's staring down at a savings rate of minus 131% and his net worth has taken a battering because of this transaction, he might get slightly disheartened. He might think he's behind where he should be, where in reality he's not. It's just somewhere else he's storing his cash, as long as he's 100% confident of getting that money back. So there we go. How many is that? Looking down the list. 10 people. 10 people from the month where I've learnt something or it's made me think about a certain situation and how that impacts in the future. So thank you to you all for your comments, and thank you all for teaching me something. Let's move on to February. First of all, we are already halfway through February, so I hope everyone is pushing towards achieving their goals again. But I'm actually going to add another challenge to you here. I call this the February challenge, and each month I'm going to have a monthly challenge. And it's just an individual thing that I'm going to ask you to try and do in the month. And it isn't going to be obligatory, you don't have to do it. Um, But I really think you will benefit from doing so. 
Febreze is that I want you to make some form of side income. And by this, I want it to be new. Okay, I don't want it to be your usual salary. I don't want it to be a bonus from your usual employment. And I don't want it to be something you do regularly. Okay, if you earn money from uh, your own website, then I don't want you to include any income from that. If you usually tutor three times a week, as well as your work, I don't want you to add any income from that. Instead, what I want you to do is I want you to try and earn some additional income, however small amount it might be, even if it is only $1 or £1 or 1p or one cent. I want you to try and earn that for a source that you haven't earned from in the last three to six months. So for me, anything related to Money Stepper or uh, initially my other business won't count. Equally, um, I can't make any side income from, from playing poker. I recently put that as an article on the website, um, but that's something I've done in the past, so I'm not going to be able to do it from that. I can't do it from uh, Quidco or from anything else which I usually do. So I've got to try and think of a new way of earning some money. Why are we doing this? Well, firstly, I want to see how people can push their boundaries, to see how people can uh, can achieve some additional income through ways that they wouldn't expect themselves to do normally. And the other reason is to learn what is possible. To see, okay, well, uh, person X from Group H, they earned some side income in February by doing A, B and C. I didn't even know that was possible. I might explore that myself and can learn maybe a way to earn some side income myself. That's the plan. So good luck. Like I say, it doesn't have to be a big amount. We probably will highlight if somebody earns a few hundred pounds or a few hundred dollars from something they wouldn't usually. Even if it's only a couple of dollars, a couple of cents, I want to hear from you about it. Nice one. So that sums up everything from January. Great start, guys. I'm really proud of how everything's going for all of you. Um, your attitude is superb. And in fact, your attitude is infecting me. I love reading those comments. I love replying to every email. And it makes me think more about my own goals. I'm really pushing on because... Uh, I want to do myself proud, but now I also want to do the challenge proud. I want to do you guys proud. So keep it up. Let's keep up this level of communication. Let's keep up this enthusiasm. Let's keep it up for the whole year throughout 2015 to make sure that this is indeed the best year ever. Right. Good article of the week, bad article of the week. As I said earlier, both are related to the lottery. The good article of the week and the good advice of the week comes from debtblag.com. It was posted on the 13th of February. Um, And what this looks at, it looks at the correlation and the statistical relationship between uh, people having confidence in the amount of money that they're going to retire with and lottery ticket sales. Now, it's a fairly small sample. There's only 12 years of data. And there's also an argument over cause and effect. But it's very interesting. It raised some really interesting points. And generally, it shows that there is a very strong statistical relationship. Uh, In fact, the relationship between the confidence in having enough money to retire is inversely proportional to lottery ticket sales. So when people think that they do have enough money to retire, they tend to buy less lottery tickets. And when people are worried about how much money they're going to have to retire, they buy more lottery tickets. 
I guess, with the expectation that that's how they're going to earn their retirement income. It's an interesting article. It doesn't reach many conclusions. It, it obviously mentions about um, the negative expected value from playing playing the lottery, um, but it's just it's just an interesting article. I found that very interesting. On the contrary, that article also quotes another article from the New York Times by a guy called Neil Irwin. And this is the bad advice of the week and the bad article of the week. It was posted two days earlier on the 11th of February. And the idea of this is that he is supporting buying lottery tickets. Uh, He says that he knows it has a negative expected value. Basically, he makes the argument, he, he reasons that if you spend $2 on buying a lottery ticket, you don't just buy the very small chance of winning the cash prize. You also buy the opportunity to dream about having real wealth and what you might do with it if you did. Now, I hope you've all exasperated like I have there. It's, what a ridiculous idea. There's two parts of this. First part, you've got to understand what your lottery ticket is actually buying you. You're paying $2, and we address this in uh, my book, How to Build Wealth One Step at a Time. The average expected value on lottery tickets is about 45%. So your expected earnings from your $2, probably about $0.90 in a standard week. Obviously, that increases as the jackpot increases on rollover weeks, but the basis is around $0.90. So what's happened when you're buying your ticket? Well, you're losing $1.10 on average. That doesn't include income tax on winnings. In the US, you then have to pay income tax on the winnings because, uh, for some reason, gambling winnings is considered as an income. So actually, your return is less than that. Neil's other idea is that you're not just buying that guaranteed loss of money (laughs) on average. You're buying the opportunity to dream about having real wealth. But that is completely contradictory because by buying that lottery ticket, you're decreasing your future wealth. There's no point thinking about what would I do if I had loads of money and to be able to think that you have to lose some money on the way. It just doesn't add up. It's like saying, uh, what would I do if I was a professional footballer and then instead of going to football training as a 10-year-old, you sit in your bedroom and you play computer games. It's just not conducive to the end result. And there's there's a lot in this article. I would suggest you go and read it at the New York Times. It, it, it's a fairly ludicrous The $2 price for a ticket is a relatively small one to pay for the enjoyment of thinking through how you might organise your life differently if you had the millions. You know, if we're talking about $200 million, well, just don't think about it because it's not going to happen. If you're talking about having enough money to retire comfortably and, you know, what we're all aiming towards, having financial freedom for our retirement, then okay, think about that, but perform some actions in the short term that help you get there. For instance, sign up to the Money Stepper Savings Challenge. <laughs> um, I'll stop because I could read that all day long and quote every single line. It's, it's ludicrous. Um, but, you know, I'll let you go over there and have a good chuckle. The other good thing, it's attracted 176 comments from people saying, Lottery ticket money comes out of my entertainment budget. No fuss, no moralising, it's just entertainment. Well, I'm not sure how that's entertainment. I'm sure other people can find some better entertainment. That's another comment. For me, it's simple. There just isn't any other way for me to end up with $200 million in my pocket. Well, quite right, but this is a surefire way to end up with no money in your pocket. Well done. Okay, enough about that. Enough ranting. I really enjoyed recording this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Um, I... 
I'm impressed, as I said earlier, with how you guys are doing. And the thing I've been most impressed about is your attitude uh, towards the challenge. I was so excited about it in December when I kind of devised the challenge and as I started it in January. And although people were signing up, I didn't think that many people were sharing my enthusiasm. But as these results come in and I've and as I've discussed it with more people, I see that that's what we're building here, a community of people who are all really, really excited about what they're doing in the savings challenge and what that means for their long-term financial future, for their security, for their financial peace in the future. Um, and it's great. It's it's an honour to be part of. So thank you all for participating. Um, I'll share with you a goal. I ask this at the end of every podcast. I've got another personal challenge. It's for this podcast to be in the top 25 in the investment category of iTunes. A couple of weeks ago, I was number 152. This week, I'm number 54. We're improving. We're getting up there. The more people we can get this out to, the more people who will get involved in the challenge and the stronger and more powerful it can become. So please, 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 if you haven't already, head on over to iTunes or head on over to Stitcher and leave a review for the podcast. If you can explain to other people what it's about, uh, that will help them if they read the reviews. But more so by having the reviews there, that will help push us up and it will help me personally achieve my challenge. If you're getting something out of the Money Stepper Savings Challenge and would like to return something back to me, then I would ask just for one minute or two minutes of your time to complete a review on the iTunes podcast website. Thanks a lot, everyone. I appreciate you being involved in the challenge. I'm loving it myself. I'm so excited. Every day that I look at my results, I I get excited about it. So, um, So thank you so, so much. And as ever, keep on climbing. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 